it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The decision point with Anand and Dury. Anand, ooh, Baltimore looks pretty good, buddy. They look pretty good. Heck yeah, they do. <laughs> Love that squad. So now they're 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 now uh, top of the table in the DVOA category to be the representative from the AFC in the Super Bowl. This is a real thing. This 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 could happen. Yeah, they're not a flash in the pan at all. They're a very scary team. That defense looks ridiculous. Mike McDonald, put them on your board for you know head coaching jobs. I know everybody wants to go offense, but uh, that defense looks terrifying, and they finally gave Lamar someone to throw to. Mike McDonald, right? Mike McDonald. That's just such. A, that's one of those. That's one of those names where it's like I can't use my full name because then I would be Michael McDonald, <laughs> right? And Michael Mc. By the way, my my daughter does a Michael McDonald impersonation. Which is just so spot on because there's a uh, there's a uh, there's a song by Christopher Cross called "Ride Like the Wind," and when they were recording that song, Michael McDonald was in the same studio location recording something else with the Doobie Brothers or whoever it was, who knows, right? And then they were chatting in the hall. Christopher Cross was chatting with. Michael McDonald in the hall and 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 he said, "Hey man, if you need any help, you know, with backup vocals or anything, uh you know, just let me know." And this is Michael McDonald, man. This guy has this is what it has has one of this he's the signature voice of the 70s. Right? And so he's like, "Yeah, I had this song Ride Like the Wind. Uh yeah, maybe maybe I really could use a little extra an extra layer uh in my in my and my, my daughter can, she, she can, she can kill it. Yeah, right. Like, it's just, I can't, not even close. I can't do it. I can't do Michael McDonald. Not even close. Anyone in the chat that can do Michael McDonald, I mean, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> but he, I will, will, in the outtakes of the podcast, we'll run a little bit of ride like the wind in the outtakes. Uh, but it, it doesn't get better. It doesn't get, for me, it doesn't get better than Michael McDonald. It really doesn't. It, and in fact, one of the great, uh, YouTube clips. If you ever seen these YouTube clips of these guys that will watch a video for the first time, like get introduced yeah. to, hey, this is Van Halen, someone that's never seen Van Halen, like some Gen Z person has never seen Van Halen, and they'll listen to Van Halen for the first time and they'll be like, oh my God, mind blown. Right. So I watch these guys 
listened to Michael McDonald for the first time, and they were like, this guy's voice is the best I've ever heard. This is great. This is incredible. And I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. And so, yeah, some of the things that my parents used to listen to, I'm at that age where now it's taken me decades to appreciate some of the things my parents listen to. Now I'm like, I have to admit, I'm like, hey, Dad, I got I to gotta tell you, this Michael McDonald is pretty good. You know, he's, he's, I, I, I'm, I'm on board. It took, it took me 30 years after making fun of you, but I'm, 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 I'm officially on board. My daughter and I were on board. You've got the Gen Z stamp of approval. That's Michael McDonald. You're talking about Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald, savior of Michigan football, by the way. That defense that they built in Ann Arbor was directly his. So uh, uh, Jim can thank his brother, John, and then uh, John can thank Jim for sending him back You know, a year or two later. Uh, but yeah, Baltimore's defenses playing out of their minds right now. DVOA, they're the second best defense in the league behind only Cleveland, which we've talked about is basically a historic start. Uh, but I mean, the, the the tale of Baltimore is the fact that they can win games basically any which way. Now they can run the ball like they used to and bludgeon you to death with Lamar. They can throw you throw it over the top. Now we've seen what Zay Flowers has turned into. They can just win an old school AFC North defensive showdown i mean they're they're very very real and i don't think enough people are talking about them as the primary threat to kc in the afc but anytime you take a defense like that and an offense that can win games in a multitude of ways you're looking at a really scary team that i don't think enough people are discussing right now dvoa is a great you know metric they 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 essentially they will isolate every play and look at the outcome of every play, and uh, you know, measure what yardage was gained on that particular play, given the circumstances, and then they, they back out a lot of the random plays that happen throughout. So it, it's, a, it's a way of normalizing the, the plays that happen you know, every Sunday. So it's a, basically, it's a, it aligns somewhat with the standings. Like, there's no one that's last place that has the number one DVOA. That's not possible. But essentially, it it's a way of factoring out some of the the teams that are benefiting from the lucky performances. And it, it's a it's a great window into oh, this team might be 500, but they're top 10 in the league because now you go back and you look at their schedule. Like, oh, look what they've played. So DVOA also has a schedule adjusted component too. So they're not only saying hey, on any given play, what are you know. Are you benefiting from outlier outcomes, but also who are you playing? And they'll schedule adjust that. The problem is I tried to go to Football Outsiders and it's gone. Footballoutsiders.com is gone. So tell the people where they can find this team metric called DVOA. It's at FTN now. Uh Aaron, Aaron imported all of that. I think he, I don't know if they're partnering or if, if they bought him out. I'm not entirely sure what happened there. But uh, yeah, DVOA is on FTN now. So okay. the metric still exists. No one freak out. It's just in a new place. They've rehomed it, you know, recaged, uncaged the animal, so to speak. Defense adjusted value over average. So I explained what that means with more words. But the definition of DVOA is defense-adjusted value over average. And the two best defenses based on that metric are Baltimore and Cleveland. And you know where my brain goes? My brain goes to, well, what takes did I have in the summer that are potentially wrong or potentially right? That's typically where my brain goes. 
with shows hosted in October, November, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to you know put up a scoreboard. And unfortunately, I will admit that looking at the offenses in this division, I was thinking this would be a shootout division. No division would score more points than the AFC North. And that was wrong. That was wrong. Not because they're not great offenses, though the offenses have disappointed Cincinnati, disappointment. I mean, T. Higgins, the, one of the greatest disappointments in the league. You've had Joe Burrow playing at less than 100%. You've had the disappointment that is the Pittsburgh Steeler offense. You've had injuries to Deshaun Watson. Baltimore is the only offense that's truly delivering because of Zay Flowers and Lamar Jackson. But the defenses are so good that you can't have a shootout division when the opponent is scoring three points. It's not possible, right? You're not going to have a, no division with Baltimore and Cleveland with their defenses playing at this level. I just didn't see it. I didn't see Baltimore's defense in particular. You know they're always going to have a quality defense, especially based on the, dra- the the recent drafts they've had with you know David Ajabo. There's you you know there's just been a, a ton of, of talent influx from the draft because we talk about it every offseason oh look at the look at what the Ravens did in particular you know right player right draft pick right talent profile especially on the defensive side of course they're going to be a top 10 defense I didn't know they'd be this good right I don't I mean I don't think anybody saw it coming not not to this extent no and I mean the way that they can squeeze the life out of a team you know, they've had really solid offenses before with really solid defenses, but they haven't had the multiplicity on offense to beat you really throwing the ball in a while. They haven't had a defense that can save the offense on their off days at the same time. So, I mean, you look at, you know, profile-wise, every team in the league has a loss now. Kansas City and Philly both do. So everyone has at least one loss. But of, of the two lost teams, Baltimore looks the scariest. And, and by the way, Football Outsiders, RIP, what happened to Football Outsiders was they sold the company to another company, and then the company that bought that company went bankrupt and stopped paying their bills, and then if you don't pay your server bills, they turn off your website. That's what happened. And fortunately, we have sponsors, and fortunately, we have subscribers, and we are able to make money, not lose money on an annual basis. And and that's because of you, the listener, without your support, both supporting our sponsors and subscribing to Player Profile or the All-In Package, you are ensuring that one day you don't type in playerprofiler.com and you get page can't be displayed. (laughs) It's it's thanks to you and thanks to our sponsors like Bet Openly. Hey, so many ask me, what's wrong with sports books? Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much. Until Bet Openly came along. Bet Openly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer to peer betting in all states, and you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on Bet Openly. It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. 
And now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. What other teams are exceeding expectations for you? I mean, even based on the lofty expectations we had for Detroit, I think you you got to look at you know team profiles. Sitting here, the ninth best defense by DVOA in the league. Who saw that coming? We knew the offense would be good, but what Detroit has done on both sides of the ball? Again, I think of them kind of as a Baltimore light. I don't think the quarterback is as dynamic. I think their weapons are a little bit better than what Baltimore has, but a lot of the same things built along both lines of scrimmage there. They have dominant edge rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, um, who, you know, we banged the table for at that draft is you know, the best edge rusher. Uh, and well, you know, well, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. J- j- no revisionist history cave on Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson, right? It was cave on. It was not Trayvon Walker. Okay, that's the bottom line. It was not Trayvon Walker. That was the chalk pick, the local boy that put up the huge pressure numbers and tackles for loss numbers in college that looked the part physically, looked the part athletically. You just draft that guy. You don't overthink it, right? You don't draft a wide receiver. You don't draft a tight end. You don't draft a running back. You draft an edge rusher that's playing down the street that you could fully evaluate. Yes, that's what you do. Chalk pick, great pick. Most chalk picks are great picks. Most of the risky picks, most of the creative picks in the draft are bad picks. And this is something else that's interesting. That game on Monday Night Football this week, Raiders at Detroit, that has a 46-point total. The Bears are going to Los Angeles to play the Chargers, that game, because Justin Fields is not projected to play in that game, the line is 46 and a half. That's the game total. 46 and a half is the highest game total on the entire board this week for week eight. That is not a lie. That is true. That is a true fact that right now, 46 and a half is the highest line. So it's not just the Ravens that have a defense that is exceeding expectations. Defenses around the league are exceeding expectations. Time and time again, you look up and these games are going under. This has been one of the great correction seasons 
of my lifetime where we were headed in this direction where teams are throwing more, throwing more, putting up more points, putting up more points. They're bringing in offensive coordinators that are known for spreading the ball, right? And then a funny thing happens. A bunch of those offensive coordinators get fired after a year. There's been a bunch of adjustments where, okay, you guys want to play that game? We'll just play all dime. We'll play all nickel, right? And then so now there's been a retooling of these defenses, the personnel and the scheme, and now you're looking up and you're lucky if a game gets to 40 total points. A lot of rock fights. Uh, this looks like old school Big Ten fans are happy. Old school AFC North fans are happy. I mean, it, it's certainly a throwback in an era where we projected, you know, at some point it's going to hit a wall. We can't have game totals in the 60s every week. Something's got to give. I mean, la even last year, there were always, without fail, multiple games with game totals over 50. You always knew you at least had that, right? And then this year, there's been one, right? Whoever the Dolphins are playing, right? That's But that's been it. But now because the <laughs> Dolphins are playing the Patriots, you can't even say that. Right, so it, it, there's none. There's nothing. Right, Vikings Packers. That used to be good for a 50 point total every time. Rams Cowboys 50 point total every time. Not even close now. Not even. Not even close. We've got a game on here. Falcons at Titans, 35 and a half. It's 35 and a half. 35 and a half. Ew. Why? Because both of those teams want to run the ball, and when you run the ball, you milk the clock, and then when you you're milking clock the entire game. There's fewer possessions and fewer points that can be scored. But you're like, oh, well, they have Derrick Henry. Well, it's not even guaranteed Derrick Henry is going to be a Titan, right? No. I mean, there are plenty of teams that should be interested, plenty of teams that will be interested. And, you know, the most fun fit for all of us by, you know, anyone that's listening, there's one place, dream scenario for everybody. We give Derrick Henry to Baltimore and we got something, man. That's going to be <laughs> you take you take this offense that was already explosive, already potent. You have a league and my personal MVP would be Lamar right now. You give him Derrick Henry to go get those tough two, three yards that he turns into 60 yard runs all the time. It is the dream scenario of my life of my life. I couldn't we speculate on trades. that should happen, could happen, might happen, won't happen. Trades that should happen. And may very well happen, include Derrick Henry to Baltimore with the greatest fit. They who are their their running backs post J.K. Dobbins injury have been Gus Edwards, who is smaller, slower, less agile. He's a far inferior version of Derrick Henry. And then they have Justice Hill, who's a nice little satellite back who would complement Derrick Henry just like Tajay Spears does, but. When you talk about the Alfred Morris corollary, where a between-the-tackles grinder can put up five yards of carry if his quarterback is mobile enough and good enough at those play fakes and running the option, like Robert Griffin III was for a couple of years, Derrick Henry could conceivably have his most efficient second half of a season with Lamar Jackson freezing linebackers. It's very exciting. Very, I hope it happens. I really want it to happen bad. I don't even have Derrick Henry in fantasy. Derrick Henry was being drafted in a place where you would never select a running back. I was like, Derrick Henry, second round, third round? No. We have wide receiver priorities in these rounds. Wait for Travis Etienne. So I don't have any Derrick Henry, but I want to see him 
thrive. Who doesn't love a player like Derrick Henry? A 245-pound running back. These people don't exist. He's doing something unprecedented at his size, right? Brandon Jacobs was the last running back that had his level of athleticism at 245 pounds. And the difference between what Brandon Jacobs can do and what Derrick Henry can do on the football field is you know, a chasm between them. This is amazing. I want him on a good team. The Titans are headed nowhere. They're going to turn to Will Levis. They're going to try to tank their way out of this. Tennessee right now is projected to have the ninth pick in the draft. And it's only going to get better because look at the other teams that are 2-4. and four. Are they better than the Chargers? No. Are they better than the Packers? No. Are they better than the Patriots? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, especially without Derrick Henry. They're not better than the Patriots. I don't even know if they're better than the Giants. I think the Giants are turning things around, especially on defense. The Giants' defense is figuring things out. Their offensive line is never going to get things figured out. But they've at least decided, okay, with a Tyrod Taylor, we can mitigate some of that pass rush. So I think with Tyrod Taylor, if they can somehow roll with Tyrod Taylor, which they shouldn't do. If they want to lose games, they need to turn back to Daniel Jones. So if, if they were doing the right thing for their franchise long-term, get the best draft pick possible, turn back to Daniel Jones as quick as possible because Daniel Jones is not the type of quarterback that can operate without enough time to throw. Right When he gets pressured, that's when he folds. Tyrod Taylor has the weakest arm in the league but at least he has that mobility and he doesn't get flustered the way Daniel Jones does. But Tennessee could have a top five pick. They're doing the right thing by trading Derrick Henry right now. And if there's a team in the league I've ever seen that could justify trading for a running back, which we would never recommend, you and me, right? We would never recommend using cap space, trading picks, for a running back. That's not something I would ever recommend. There's almost always a position that you're better off investing in. Except in this one case, sir. There are exceptions to every rule, and this would be an exception if they found a reasonable, you know, uh, draft capital price to go get them. Because, I mean, that's, that's an again, if you're going to give up draft assets for players like that, they either need to be positions of premium value, you know, left tackle, edge rusher, quarterback, which we rarely ever see quarterbacks traded, so that's kind of an outlier, or unique abilities at their position, which there is not another Derrick Henry. If you're trying to replace him, you have to replace him in the aggregate. You can't just backfill Derrick Henry, right? It's like same thing with in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey. You can't just go backfill Oh, well, we'll we'll replace McCaffrey in the aggregate. Yeah, you can try, but there's only one of those guys. Um I I think the other part of this too that that kind of needs to be discussed that's going a little under the radar elsewhere is this college crop of quarterbacks that are coming out this year, whether you look at a Caleb Williams, you look at a Drake May, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, JJ McCarthy, Quinn Ewers, you go down the list of quarterbacks, Riley Leonard at Duke. Um Something that's not being discussed is a lot of those guys are in their fifth and sixth years in college. They've played a lot of ball. And one of the things that we've watched translate in the NFL is either you're this hyper-athletic superhuman that can let the athletic traits buoy your performances until you figure out how to play quarterback at an NFL level. Josh Allen, we saw it with. you know, We've seen it with Lamar early in his career. We saw it the beginnings of with Anthony Richardson this year, if you have that ability 
you know, you can buoy yourself. But these guys have all played so much college football that I think they're going to be much more ready to start earlier. If even if their ceilings aren't as high, you're talking about 23, 24, 25 year olds when you get to the Sam Hartmans, the Michael Penixes, Bo Nixes of the world, Jaden Daniels at LSU, Jordan Travis at Florida State. You're talking about guys that have played for so long that even if you don't get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, a lot of these guys that are going to go in round two or three to solve some of these quarterback holes for these teams are going to be viable day one starters if they have to be, if only because they've played five or six years of college football and have been coached at that level at national programs for that long. And I don't think that's being discussed either. This is a great year. Every year is a great year to draft a backup quarterback. But this year specifically, with all of the, the, the final versions of that COVID window all hitting at the same moment, this is your best opportunity to get someone that can play the role of a Dorian Thompson-Robinson or an Aiden O'Connell and kind of give you the stuff that we saw those guys have in the preseason, potentially even into the regular season if you draft someone in day two or day three this year. Well, the Patriots decided that guy wasn't Malik Cunningham. How 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 is that possible that Malik Cunningham got cut? What happened? What was behind that? I, I honestly don't know because he occupied so many roles. It, it, it's, you know, like they... They had him listed as like a kick returner at one point. They had him. It was just a very strange roster spot situation. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back there, but I, I don't really understand what was going on there. That was a very strange. He's back on the practice squad, but they already signed him to a three-year extension. Yeah, I, I don't. Strange mechanics there. I, I, I would expect that he's elevated to the active roster sooner rather than later yet again. Because they just need dynamic athletes. They, it's, it's lacking, and I like Pop Douglas. There are a lot of you know fun players. But how how do they get away with this? How do the Patriots get away with this? How can they put him on the market and not have anyone claim him? He's clearly a quality football player who offers a lot of versatility to a team who wants to have mobility at the quarterback position like you're seeing with a Tyrod Taylor now, for example, right? Worse comes to worse when the offensive line is crumbling. You want that mobility, and that's the per the the, the, the Dorian Thompson Robinson. These types of quarterbacks are the best to have as your backups because they can win in different ways. Right when you throw them in there, you want these guys that are at least tactical scramblers, right? That can and and so I don't understand how the league lets the Patriots put Malik Cunningham on waivers and no one claims him. How is this possible? I, you're watching it happen in Cleveland. Deshaun Watson's shoulder, like, I don't know if you if you watched last week. He didn't look like he could throw a ball 15 yards. I mean, say what you want about the off-the-field stuff with Watson and the contract that he signed. The man just doesn't look right. I mean, he can't throw a football like he normally throws a football. All of a sudden, insert P.J. Walker, yeah. and the Browns are 4-2. and two. It, it, it's not like, you know, I'm not sitting here suggesting P.J. Walker is our Lord and Savior, but my God. The, char the, the Chargers are top 10 in cap space. They have $10 million of cap space. How are the Chargers, who I believe are not out of it by any stretch, right? They're one of the best two and four teams I've ever seen. How can you see a Malik Cunningham go to waivers knowing that you have Easton Stick, who also has mobility, understood, right? But I, it's just they know what they have with Easton Stick, 
And I guess I don't th- they talked themselves out of a Malik Cunningham because they're like, well, there must be something that we don't know about Malik Cunningham, some flaws that we don't know that are, would lead the Patriots to waive him. And we're not going to take the risk. Easton Stick has already learned the playbook. It's going to take Malik Cunningham weeks to get him fully up to speed where we could feel comfortable turning the offense over to him because it's so much different than the Patriots offense. All understood, but the odds that Herbert gets injured in the next few weeks are not high. The odds that he gets injured at some point in the course of a season are much higher. And certainly you're going to want that guy if he misses at least some time in a game in the playoffs. You'd want to be able to bring in a guy with more playmaking ability like Malik Cunningham. I just don't understand it. I think that it's twofold. I guess I do. I I say I don't understand it, but I do understand it, right? I, 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 I say... I don't get what they're doing, and then I explain yeah. exactly what they're doing. What's going on is that they're too afraid of a player that they've never interviewed, that they haven't been able to uh, you know, diagnose their ability to pick up the playbook cold, right? And they also suspect that the team that waived that guy must know something, right? And I can't believe at this point the Patriots still get the benefit of the doubt for having any ability to self-scout. They've they've proven that, that they're the worst at self-scouting. And so you would think that when an exciting talent like Malik Cunningham comes on the market, you would pounce if you're the Chargers. 2024 LA Chargers head coach. They could just wave East and stick, okay? So And then you can bring him into the building, right? Put him on the active roster. Put Malik Cunningham on the active roster. Bring him into the building, okay? By waving Easton Stick, all right? And then you can just re-sign Easton Stick to the practice squad. No one's going to sign Easton Stick. That's the other problem, is that teams think that they've found something, right? They've found some uh, underrated, under-the-radar quality to one of their players, and that they don't want to let that player out, right? They, they, they're like, they, they, people must know what we know about Easton Stick. This kid can actually play. We're... we're we, 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 can't, we can't afford to put him on waivers. We can't do it. So they're just terrified. Where the Patriots are not scared to put players on waivers. They're like the one team that's not scared to put players on waivers. And no teams hold them accountable. No teams call their bluff when they waive players. It's maddening to me. Then I saw Malik Cunningham. Oh, re-signed to the Patriots practice squad. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, especially when you consider that he can do a multitude of things. It's not like he's just purely a quarterback. I guarantee he's going to be able to pick up the playbook and and run a competent offense within two weeks. Okay? Just wave Easton Stick, bring in Cunningham, and then you can sign Easton Stick back to the practice squad, and and, and you'll be better off. You'll have just improved your roster. You've just upgraded your roster. Congratulations. But no. No, it's too – we don't want to take a chance. We have our guys – and they know our system, and you know our system is so complicated. We can't imagine bringing in another guy cold and having them pick up the playbook. It just it would take too long. It would be too much work. God, the the, the narratives around such things just are always funny because if you if you profile them side by side, Easton Stick has done next to nothing in the NFL. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz. Is, is a competent backup quarterback in the NFL. He's proven at least that, 
You know, it, it's it's just the the decisions that teams make because they drafted a guy baffle me sometimes or didn't draft a guy. It's, hey, well, we know what we've got with this guy. Okay, if what you've got isn't good, then who gives a shit? To wave Bailey Zappi was audacious. Bailey Zappi has won games in the NFL, has looked overly competent in a handful of games, looked incompetent in some games, but how many quarterbacks that are on rosters, whether it's the practice squad or the active roster around the league, can say that, yeah, I've been in NFL games, I've looked good, and I've won those games. And the Patriots are just like, yeah, we're gonna put that guy on waivers, and you know, we, we know the league are just a bunch of cowards. They're not gonna, they're gonna no one's gonna push the button, right? That's really the problem, is at any given moment, there are really like 20-ish NFL starting quarterbacks. Now there are a few more that are competent, but there are really only 20 at any given moment, max NFL starting quarterbacks. And you've got 32 teams. So at any given point, 12 teams are either lying to themselves. The backup behind Jordan Love is Sean Clifford. Now I understand. No, Sean Clifford. Hey, Sean Clifford had had put up some numbers. Okay. Sean Clifford has a 3000 yard season on his resume at Penn state, took care of the football, only 21 touchdowns, but you know, kept the interceptions in check for two straight years, 21 touchdowns and 24 touchdowns, and then only 15 interceptions his last two seasons. That's really impressive. This guy is a quintessential game manager, but he doesn't have the upside of a Malik Cunningham. And the Packers have not yet come to terms with the fact that this is a rebuilding season. If you're in a rebuild, why wouldn't you carry another quarterback on the roster by signing Malik Cunningham? What are you losing? What are you you're missing out on a depth linebacker? Because that might help you win a game, which it won't anyway. A game in a season where you have no chance to make the playoffs, spoiler alert. And you should be actively trying to lose games to maximize your draft picks. And you should be sniffing every team for potential trades and potential veterans that you can shed. That's what the Tennessee Titans should be doing. Like there's other veterans on this team, Danico Autry. He's 33 years old, but he can pressure the quarterback. We know he can pressure the quarterback. Last year, 14% pressure rate. That was a career high. He's one of these late bloomers, but he's 33. You're turning the franchise over to Will Levis. This guy has no value to you, but he has value to every team. Every single team that's in contention can use another pass rusher. Especially as you you get later in the season. Uh, One of the best things that you can do uh, is trade for positions of depth that have value even when you don't need them because at some point this season you will need them there's going to be a contender that has an edge rusher go down that's going to wish they had traded for him and yet you may have to overpay a little bit at the moment but when you when you're in the depths of an afc nfc you know playoff run you're not really going to care that you overpaid for an edge rusher this season because if you're going all in which is what certain teams have clearly decided to do if you're going to go all in, then don't half-ass that effort. Buffalo last year did the same thing with Von Miller. He got hurt. It sucks. It's the way the world works. Uh, what if Miles Garrett goes down, right? Or what if you want to reward Miles Garrett by taking a little bit of pressure off him and saying, "Hey, Miles Garrett, uh, you're uh, the defensive MVP of the league. We're going to make sure that we have a bookend who can also pressure the quarterback on the other side." Yeah. And there's also the argument to be made that 
you don't want to have to have your best edge rusher play 100% of the snaps all the time because, again, it's a violent collision-based sport, and every single time they're out there, there's the risk of injury. You know, you're adding one data point to, hey, this player could potentially get injured. So it, it to me, doesn't make sense that teams don't trade for depth pieces in that manner. Um, but, again, Cleveland among the teams that absolutely should, uh, you know, there are there, and if if you need to decide at every trade market deadline if you're a buyer or a seller and if you're a seller be willing to sell and if you're a buyer be willing to buy there there are too many where oh well if we get the right price on this player or if we do that with that player and that's fine I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have the system i'm saying if the player becomes available for the price that you want pull trigger just do it as a sophomore in only 178 pass attempts malik cunningham had an 11.6 yards per attempt, 22 touchdowns, only five interceptions, and 500 rushing yards. In his second-to-last season, which was his last full season at Louisville, he had an equally impressive stat line with 1,000 rushing yards. So he takes care of the football, and he has like Trey Lance-level rushing production in college. And Trey Lance was a top-three pick. Right. If you're so infatuated by mobility, which many teams rightfully are, I just I just I can't, dude. I just can't. Is it because he's sub 200 pounds? Is he not meeting a pound threshold? Do you, do you need a guy to have a certain size? OK, he doesn't have Trey Lance's size. He's not 230 pounds, doesn't have pro- prototypical size. But this is this is what you want. This is what Tyrod Taylor gives you is the ability to take care of the football, not turn it over and then run for first downs when called upon and use the weapons that are in the short intermediate areas of the field. That's why Tyrod Taylor has been such a great backup quarterback and why when he hits free agency, right, when Gardner Minshew hits free agency, these quarterbacks that have shown themselves to be able to run for first downs, scramble, avoid pressure in the pocket, make things happen, that they're always going to have a role in the NFL. And whenever they're called upon, everyone has to be reminded together, oh yeah, that guy's pretty good. That guy can play. Right? I drafted that guy in fantasy football when he was on Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty good actually. Remember? It's like, oh, but he's been a backup for so long we forget that some of the the better backups in the league when they get inserted, they can make plays. But no, no Packers, please. No, stay with Sean Clifford. Stay with Sean Clifford. Players get better, too. We had, we had, again, famous story that we've discussed many times. We had the book on Geno Smith. It was written. He was a bust. He was a career backup quarterback. He gets inserted in Seattle. Everybody thinks Drew Locke might even win the job over him, who basically Denver threw in as a trade piece to get a deal done as basically a salary dump. And... Instead, Geno Smith turns into one of the most prolific deep ball throwers in the league and actively was a top 10 quarterback last year and has, you know, continued a lot of that success into this year. It's, you know, having a high upside backup quarterback is exactly what you should do. The only time that I would advise against it is if you're, a you know, a Super Bowl caliber team that that desperately, you know, needs a a guy that has some health issues, if you want someone with a high floor, that makes sense. But having a high floor backup in the NFL really doesn't do you 
that much service unless you are a Super Bowl caliber team. Or, 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 or you're not sold on your starter, right? Or if you have Jordan Love, who looks more like a bust than not. But again, this this is asking too much of NFL teams to properly self-scout their rosters. So going back to the 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 the, the Danico Autry, the Derrick Henry uh, teams that are have already admitted that they're rebuilding, right? When you turn the team over to Will Levis, you've admitted that you're rebuilding. That's why all these articles that are speculating on which player is going to get traded by the deadline, they're targeting Tennessee. They're picking over the Tennessee roster. Okay, who's old, <laughs> right? <laughs> who's disgruntled, whatever it is. So a guy like a Nico Autry, you can get him for just a pick swap. You could just offer a fourth rounder and say, give me your fifth rounder. And uh, the Titans would take that, right? The Titans would take a, tr- a trade up from the fifth round into the fourth round. Just a day three trade up is all that's necessary. That's absolutely worth it. That's uh, You know what you don't know. And you know that you're not going to be able to pinpoint who the best players in day three are. Some of them go in the fourth round, some of them go in the fifth round, some in the sixth round, some in the seventh round. So you might as well trade back from the fourth round to the fifth round if you feel like you can get someone that can make a difference. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you look at how the Titans are going to acquire assets, it's, you know, are we going to be able to offload everybody this trade deadline? I don't know. Um, I'm sure they're having conversations with teams about, you know, what Derrick Henry is going to go for, what Autry is going to go for. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that they're, they're making DeAndre Hopkins available for the love of God, man, you got, you, you've got, you've got to shed Hopkins. You've got to shed Henry. You've got to shed Autry. What do you think it's going to take to get Derrick Henry? I probably wouldn't send more than a day two pick, but they're probably going to ask for one. Um, somewhere in there is, I would assume it's going to, they're going to end up with a high day two. Uh, somebody will, especially a contender, will probably end up trading a second, maybe a third if they get lucky. Would you do that? So if you're if you're Baltimore, you're trading a second rounder for Derrick Henry. I probably wouldn't trade a second. I would try to trade a third if you can. If you can get away with trading a third, then I would do it. A second is a little bit too rich for me. Um, I would probably need something back. You know, like maybe a uh, you know, give me a a late day three pick back in order to do that, but. If we're just doing straight up one pick, it'd probably have to be a third for me to, to do that. Seattle has Denver's third rounder, right? So Denver doesn't have their third rounder, thanks to uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson, this gift that just keeps on taking. Russell Wilson, just the gift that keeps on taking. So Denver has to come to terms with the fact that they need to be pivoting to rebuild mode, but will they, right? Sean Payton does not want to admit this. Russell Wilson certainly doesn't want to admit this, but that's why you have management, right? That's why you have executives making these decisions. And so if you are Denver, what is the first asset that you're shopping? Jerry Judy has the brand equity. He has the brand equity, first round draft pick. We saw him be remarkably productive alongside other NFL wide receiver, 1A, 1Bs and Waddle Smith. Uh, It's, it's, Interesting that we're here with him. I mean, I know that Steve Smith's comments about him 
there's got to be something else going on. And he probably just needs a change of scenery at this point. Like I, if, it, if it's going to happen, I don't think it's happening in Denver. I think there's a knucklehead factor with Jerry Judy. Uh, we've already seen incidents off the field and he's putting up what? 10 and a half fantasy points a game. So why even deal with that, that aggravation? If you're Denver, the problem is because he doesn't have a clean off field resume because he doesn't have a clean uh, bill of health. He's injured every year. He has lower body muscular issues, right? I think we know that a player like him who is so svelte, uh, he's just, he, he gives the defenders a, a pretty big target to hit. Once he has the ball in his hands, he's never been uh, a good yak player. He's been able to create some separation in years past, not so much anymore, but he has been able to create separation. The problem is once he, has the ball he is a he's 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 a target Uh, so for a bunch of reasons i don't think that a team would uh would would pay up for jerry judy if they were focusing on the right details but i would never put it past nfl team to go and, and and trade for a guy based on his alabama tape from five years ago that's absolutely something some nfl gm would do um so this is another player i'm assuming that they're going to be shopping him for a second rounder yeah, I mean, I think they're they're going to try and get a two, maybe a three, uh, but I think ultimately, if if you're considering that, <laughs> I probably wouldn't offer more than a day three. So pick. when exactly is the trade deadline? I believe it's Halloween this year, isn't it? The thirty first trade deadline is October thirty first. Spooky news coming that day. Spooky, spooky. Four p.m. Four p.m. So these teams can play this week. And then see what happens. So if you are a team that thinks you might be in contention, maybe you hold off. There's no way Tennessee turned to Will Levis can be that diluted. But Green Bay might be. New England might be. I mean, you're looking at all these games this weekend, too, with ugly game totals. Someone's going to go over in an ugly game total and overperform as an offense. We've seen it uh, plenty of times with Justin Fields Bears. We've seen it with Houston this year. We've seen it with. I mean, obviously, I think everybody knows what Miami is, but we've seen like, you know, objectively bad offenses have really good days. So will their front offices, will their head coaches, you know, allow themselves to be lied to by a one game sample size where, you know, things look up for one week? What about what about Dalvin Cook, though? What about Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook is a jet as of now. And if you're the Jets and you lose this week, then you're three and four. You're going to be more motivated to just let talent walk out the door for sixth round pick, you know, late, late, late seventh round pick, you know, conditional pick, whatever it is for Dalvin cook. But you could make a phone call and convince another general manager. Hey, the reason why Dalvin cook's not playing anymore is because, you know, Brees hall is elite, right? So that's one that makes just as much sense as Derrick Henry getting shipped out of town. Dalvin cook makes just as much sense. Cost is going to be very different too. Yeah, it's it's, it's not going to cost you anything to trade for him. The Jets are gaining nothing by having him, but he does have some juice, right? And this might be the direction the Ravens go. The Ravens might say, hey, we're at an impasse. We're not giving you a second. And then they call the Jets and they're like, okay, Dalvin Cook, you know, we've heard that he's still got juice. You wouldn't know it by looking at the stats. You wouldn't know it by looking at the playing time, but... That seems like a more Ravens move to mm-hmm. go 
give up a seventh rounder for Dalvin Cook than to pay up for Derrick Henry. As much as I know that the fantasy gamers, they want the Derrick Henry trade, uh, I'm thinking it's probably going to be Dalvin Cook. Eric DaCosta's special. Yeah, uh, value-wise, because they probably don't need, and I, th- I think they realize that they don't necessarily need a Derrick Henry level talent at running back to make things go and to, and to take pressure off of Lamar. They just need guys that are healthy. And, you know, if Dalvin can provide a back that, that has his skill set, which is still, you know, if you want him to be that, he can still be a three down back. I don't think they're going to ask him to do that, but he can still do that if you need him to. Uh, I think, you know, adding him to, to Gus Edwards and in, in the backfield that they have back there, just having fresh bodies that, are threatening defenses at that time of the year is going to be of paramount importance for them because, you know, much like the Chargers, the biggest issue for the Ravens historically has been health. It hasn't really been that their rosters have been bad. It hasn't been that we don't think their coaches are the right ones or, you know, other than Greg Roman's high school pass offense, but we're done banging on that. Uh, It's really been that, you know, they can't stay healthy. And so, you know, much like we were talking about before, if you have the opportunity to add to your pass rush room before you need an extra pass rusher, do it. If, you, if your goal is really to win this year, if it's, you know, if you think you're in that window, which I think Baltimore is firmly in, I think they are currently the number one contender to KC in the AFC. And I think they've proved that over the first few weeks of the season. Um, not that anybody else is out of it by any means, but no one's no one else has looked that good. The numbers back it up too. Uh, I think that it makes a lot of sense for them to go Dalvin Cook over Derrick Henry. And, you know, potentially they're in the Danico Autry market as well. Uh, Just basically trying to trade day three picks to acquire guys that are death pieces now, knowing that they've got a solid scouting department and have hit in late rounds on guys before, trusting themselves with pick swaps to, you know, maybe find a, a deeper value around later than, say, Tennessee's been able to. This is a classic NBA trade to go get Jerry Judy, right? He's owed what like two and a half million in cash this year, prorated. It's nothing, right? It's it's essentially a free upgrade to your number three wide receiver. I think Jerry Judy would thrive in that kind of role. I think he's been a victim of the Peter principle, right? He was promoted to number one receiver, and he's just not that guy. And neither is Cortland Sutton, for that matter. They're both, right? They're both fake alphas. They, they desperately need to go somewhere where they don't have to be viewed as a 1A or 1B piece. If you could, if you could have a Jerry Judy go to even a Miami, right? Miami has no third receiver of consequence other than a Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson very much discount Jerry Judy, right? Also super svelte, right? Also fragile, good route runner, good hands. Well, Jared, you doesn't have good hands. So maybe, maybe Cedric Wilson's a better, for, that's why they've been traded for him yet. But I would like to see Jerry Judy go to the Dolphins there. He could just be comfortable in a number three role. They could put him in the slot. He wouldn't have to face alpha corners anymore. He wouldn't have to have the pressure of expectations on him. He could basically just play the Braxton Berrios, Cedric Wilson role better than Braxton Berrios and Cedric Wilson. I've never been a Jerry Judy fan. I don't have any Jerry Judy in fantasy football. Never have, never will. Well, never say never, because I might. Next year, we'll see where his ADP is. It's all about ADP. I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. But if I'm an NFL GM, I'm calling Denver. I'm like, hey, I could pay this guy a million dollars. You're out of it. 
let's go do this. But I think that Denver needs one more loss. I don't think that you're going to see any Denver players traded until Monday or Tuesday. They need to go lose one more game. And then they're going to be 2-6. and six. They're going to have a, a, a negative 50 or lower point differential. And it's going to be unable to be argued that, hey, we can get hot. Right, you got to you got to take that off the table. When Sean Payton goes into the front office, you call him in, and it's non-negotiable. It's beyond dispute. We're not making the playoffs, Sean. We now need to act in the best interest of the franchise, and that means you're going to lose Jerry Judy, and you get to elevate Marvin Mims. That's the beauty of it. So, stashing Marvin Mims in case a Judy or a Cortland Sutton is a smart move for fantasy football. Also, you could trade for a Cortland Sutton or trade for a Jerry Judy because their circumstances could improve in the next three days. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get less value than you've gotten out of Judy so far. So, I I mean, no one's questioning the talent. Well, I am. Listen, if you don't have explosive downfield playmaking ability, if you're not a vertical player, like if you can't play above the defense either, uh, you're also fragile and have shaky hands. You're not that good at football, okay? You have this one skill in college, which is getting separation, and we have a separation at target metric on player profiler, and Jerry Judy's target separation has degraded year over year. So now we don't even have that trait to assign to him. So no, I I don't think that his talent is undisputable. I think it is soon to be undisputable that Denver is done and they need to act accordingly who do you what 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 do you think is a higher probability judy gets traded or Cortland sutton i think it's going to be judy just because of the the capital involved and the fact that he went to bama and played with the guys that he played with i think that someone's going to take a stab i think that's my guess with Cortland sutton when you trade for him you do have an out in 2024 where he's owed only seven and a half million dollars of dead cap uh, over the the final three years or two years of his deal, so Cortland Sutton is also a team friendly acquisition for anyone that wants to trade for him. If it's Sutton or Judy, what type of assets need to be traded in exchange to get a Judy to get a Sutton, knowing that they have team friendly contracts? Now Sutton's going to cost a lot more this year, right? Sutton's making. million in cash this year. So you're going to have to pay him something around $9 million if you prorate that, okay, as opposed to a million and a half dollars prorated to Jerry Judy. So there's significant cap difference acquiring Sutton versus Judy. I think that makes it a lot easier to go after Judy. But the team who is sending Judy, Denver, also knows this. So I think that for that reason, they would hold. They could hold firm. Denver could hold firm with a second rounder in exchange for Judy, because hey, this is a first round guy, Alabama, and you're getting an expiring contract. You pay him nothing. Right? That's an, that's that's a, that's a pretty valuable asset right there. That's a pretty valuable trade chip. Where with Sutton, hey, we know you got to pay him, you know, close to ten million dollars this year, and then you got to you know manage the dead cap on the books. Uh, for the next couple years with Sutton. So with Sutton, could you see him getting traded for like just a fourth rounder? 
I would try if I'm going after either of them. I would try to go after them with a high day three pick. If you can get them either of them for a fourth, I think that's pretty solid value. But I don't think that Denver's going to give either of them away for a day three pick because one, we have some production from Sutton. You know, obviously some injury history also, but there's production there. And then with Judy again, draft capital and very productive college player. They're expiring contract, so. I don't think that they're going to necessarily give them away, uh, but I would not give more than a high day three for either of them at this point. So, I mean, it's a matter of whether or not Denver is willing to come to grips with that's probably what their market's going to be. Okay. What if the Chargers win this week? Okay. And for the Chargers, it's really not what if, but it's you must. So let's say they win a must win game. This is a must win game for the Chargers. You can't go two and five and expect to make the playoffs. They're at home against the Bears. They're eight and a half point favorites. They're going to win that game. Okay. Now, I, again, as much as I, I think the Bears can still cover. I think it's a great bet to bet on the Bears because the public does not appreciate their quarterback, right? So I still think the Bears are a great bet on the road, getting eight and a half points. Tyson Badgett's actually solid, right? And they have weapons. So uh, still, Chargers win. They're three and four. Quentin Johnston's been this raging bust. They lost Mike Williams. Wouldn't they be a great destination for Cortland Sutton? That's a dream fit. Now, will, would they trade him in division? I don't know. Who cares? Why <laughs> do they care? Because they have to play against him. God, I mean, that's know. so... Oh, They do care. I mean, whether or not they should care is a different argument. It's 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 so I know they should I know they should but the fact that they care is maddening to me. Okay, so let's say okay that's the dream scenario. Okay, and if you're the Chargers right now, see the reason why this is good is that the Chargers right now, if you look at you know the projected uh, draft pick, the Chargers have a top ten draft pick because they're two and four. So when you're dangling a third rounder, that looks like an early third, and. Like you said, we, hey, you think on 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 value, a guy like Corton Sutton probably worth an early fourth. But these are teams that are going to inflate the value. They're trying to maximize it, knowing that the teams are talking to need help in that area. They you need a wide receiver. The deadline is coming. Let's go. You got to give me a third. In fact, it looks like an early third, maybe. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll that's that's a premium. I could see it. Or I could see it. Yeah. And then again, they get that that helps them get back into the early third round where they had the Denver had given up that pick already to Seattle. So that would be, I think uh, that would be a deal that could get done, but it won't get done because they're in the same division, which is just a, where else? Okay. Let's find another team, an ideal fit for Cortland Sutton. There's it's, it's right in front of your face, Matt. It's Buffalo. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yes. The, after two straight dud performances from Gabriel Davis, the the Bills have to be motivated to to upgrade that position, especially now that Josh Allen is officially struggling. He's officially healthy and struggling. We haven't been in a world where you could say Josh Allen is healthy and struggling. We haven't we haven't lived in that world for 3 plus years. And now we're here. They have Close to $5 million in cap space. 
So they would need to free up some cap space. What do you do in that situation? You send a veteran back in return for Cortland Sutton to free up cap space? You could either send a veteran back or you could restructure somebody that's going to be there long term. Could be anybody. Um, typically, teams will do either you know wide receivers, offensive linemen, somebody that's somebody that you know is going to be there for a long time, free up some money from this year, push some money into 25, 26, and beyond. So not super difficult. I don't think in Buffalo's case to, to free up the money to do it. You know, oh, 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 you know who you could ask to restructure after the uh, the teammate he's competing for snaps with goes eight for eight, right? Why not ask Dawson Knox to restructure? How about that? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to find out really quickly. I mean, next week, Sunday night football, you know, everybody's still worried about this week's slate, which is fair. But Buffalo played last night, so looking ahead, uh, they get Cincinnati next Sunday night. And, you know, I'm just saying they haven't really found their run game yet. Last night they turned to Josh Allen running yet again, who's been the break glass in case of emergency run game. Uh, And, you know, not having Dawson Knox and forcing Dalton Kincaid as a rookie to play this kind of hybrid tight end role. We'll see if they can survive in 11 personnel against the Lou Anarumo defense because my guess is it's going to be check downs all day for Josh Allen. And, you know, he wants to hit the big one to Diggs. I don't, is he going to get baited into a couple of those throws that Cam Taylor Britt, someone in that back end gets their hands on? I'm not sure. But the, the, you know, the lack of having anybody that is a true number two there has, forever been a problem and then the fact that their run game hasn't quite taken that jump yet and we've been saying this for years it, it's it's scary you're asking josh allen to do so 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 much to make your offense elite that at some point he has an off day and it just all crumbles um, in in an afternoon so uh, i i'd be very worried about that matchup against cincinnati in 2022 dawson knox signed a four-year deal for 52 million dollars in quotes but I will say $31 million of that was guaranteed. So now he's on injured reserve with a wrist injury, so he's out at least four games. Now would be the time. Now would be the time to, to say, hey, listen, man, we want you here. We want, it, we, want it, we want to invest in you, Dawson. We need you. We're afraid to see what the team is going to look like without you. We should sign you to, a, to, a, to an extension, right? But it's actually a restructure, so we can go get Cortland Sutton! Let's go, Bills. That's the move. I mean, you that talk about multiplicity and pass sets. You're talking about Stefan Diggs, who's never coming off the field for anybody, but you have Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton, and then Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid, along with Khalil Shakir. That, that's a lot of fun toys. Yeah. And and it's the theory that we had about Jacksonville in the preseason, where it's it's not necessarily that Ridley being a true one changes life for Ridley as the one. It's the fact that it that it turns you know Kirk into the two and Zay Jones into the three in roles that they can thrive in. And I think that that's mm. potentially what could happen here in Buffalo if you get Cortland Sutton out there. Buffalo also has a compensatory pick in the third round. Ooh, that's perfect. Pick number ninety-eight is Buffalo. We see a Halloween trade. Is it, are you allowed to trade a compensatory pick at this point? It depends on when it, it, I think it depends on when it vests. Okay. I can't remember exactly. Okay. So uh, maybe that pick has invested yet. We, we, we will, we will find out. We've actually stumped on an with a question. Hey, 
I did it. It's been years, man. I asked good <laughs> questions. Woo! Because uh, I can't remember who it was for, so I can't remember when it actually shows up. But yeah, I mean, their third and fourth this year is probably up for grabs um, if someone wanted to trade for them. Uh, we'll see. I, th- I think that's probably the best fit, period, anywhere, even probably over the Chargers. Uh, yes. Yes, you are right. You are right. Other teams that have assets to trade, Carolina, right? Carolina. The problem with Carolina, as everyone knows, uh, they don't have their first rounder. So that's that's always that's always heartbreaking where it's like, hey, you guys should just maximize the losses so you can ensure that Chicago can get Caleb Williams. Uh-oh. That's not great. That's too bad. That's too bad. But you have Bryce Young, so you're good. It's fine. You're Bryce Young. But still, like, still, hey, make sure you're locking up the first pick in the second round, the first pick in the third round. Get more picks. All you can do is get more picks. That's all you can do, get more picks. So looking at the Carolina Panthers roster, Dante Jackson. Dante Jackson is a prime candidate to get traded. Where can you see him going? Who do you think needs a Dante Jackson? You know, think about a contender where one of their weaknesses is the secondary. I mean, they're choose NFC contender from list. <laughs> take, take your pick. Uh, you could go. You could go to Philly. You could go to Detroit. You could go. You could even go to San Fran if you really wanted to. I think San Francisco is a sneaky spot for him because that's been their one weakness all year. They've got everything. They've got all the boxes checked. Their offensive line's not quite what it was, right? Without McGlinchey, it's not quite what it was. It's not what it was. It's not what it was. So their offensive line's taking a step back. They could use some depth in the offensive line and and they could use help in the secondary. But I I, I think this is that's the that's the move is you you go get a Dante Jackson. A, a real playmaker in the secondary. I like that a lot. I think you could get him for a fourth rounder, right? It's another one of these guys where we're, 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 we're playing with our monopoly money in the fourth round. Day three, for sure. But depending on where they are, could be one, could be multiple day three picks. Uh, but, you know, they're, again, another team in win now mode that, you know, DB depth is a question. Do you just bite the bullet and say, Hey, whether we need him quote unquote or not, it'd be nice to have him Cause you can never have enough DB depth when you go up against, you know, the receivers that you have in that division where you're talking, whether you're talking about, you know, Metcalf and Lockett, or you're talking about, you know, cup and Nakua, either one of them, um, you know, that's just in the division. And then you look at kind of what the NFC has out there, whether it's, you know, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, yeah, you're probably <laughs> probably gonna want another TV back there. He's got great swag too. Like he's got the one eye black right under the one eye that uh, so he's got a bit of a pirate thing going on, which I think is great. He also runs a four three two, so he is incredibly fast. He is an underrated athlete. He is uh, he's a, he's undersized for an alpha corner, right? Five eleven, one eighty. You'd like him to be six foot. You'd like him to be you know one ninety, but. In that system, man, Dante Jackson's been thriving, and he, he has he has the speed to lock down some of the fastest wide receivers in the league. I love that fit for Detroit. Absolutely love it for San Francisco. But also, they have Henderson on the roster as well, right? So it's, it's not just Jackson. They could also deal C.J. Henderson. His contract's up, so, and I don't, I don't think that he's 
uh, you know, delivered on the draft capital. I think he was a top 10 pick at one point. He's not that, but that's this is another, he's basically the Jerry Judy of cornerbacks where it's like, hey, the draft capital, the name recognition, this is going to get this guy to have some value in the trade market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're obvious sellers at this point of the year. I mean, <laughs> it's looked bad, man. It's not pretty over there. Uh, and I mean, you you just got to shop whoever you can shop at this point. Any expiring contracts, anybody that's older and, you know, you're kind of looking to Justin Houston. Justin Houston, right? Isn't Justin Houston, he's, he's, he's on the older side, right? Isn't he? Yeah, he's in his 30s now. Yeah, he's got two or three years max. And I mean, the other part that's sad is I think he thought he could be part of a group that kind of reinvigorated uh, a younger team, but it just hasn't come together. It's looked ugly on both sides of the ball. We talked about DVOA earlier. Offense, their 31st. Defense, their 30th. That's just, there's not a lot to build on there right now. Uh, he's another prime candidate to get shipped out for a late day three pick to basically anybody i mean take your pick you can go afc nfc um he's an edge rusher that's still productive even in his 30s you you prefer autry or you prefer houston if you're trading for an aging edge rusher i mean i think they're kind of in the same boat i mean i don't think there's much separating them no similar pressure percentage 15 percent pressure percentage for both of these guys i mean i think you're splitting hairs yeah what about the team fit we talked earlier about Trayvon Walker not necessarily uh, elevating his game the way that you would think for a first-round pick. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to say he's not a bust. He's not a bust. But is he the first pick overall? In hindsight, no. Come on. Knowing that, right? They have Josh Allen in in Jacksonville. They have Trayvon Walker. Do you think this would be a good fit for for a you know a, a Justin Houston or an Autry? I think that they would, but again, my default is to, because Jacksonville really hasn't had to deal with the injury problems that true contenders have yet. I think Baltimore, especially the way that that defense has been playing, I think they're probably more likely to pony up an asset for the depth, whether it is Houston, whether it is Autry. I could see Cincinnati in that same boat, Cleveland again, like we talked about, um, basically any of the AFC contenders that are looking at themselves saying, hey, if we're going to have to play all of these top flight teams, all of these really good offensive lines, all of these really good quarterbacks, we just need depth um, at edge rusher. And I think whether you choose to, to go Justin Houston or Danico Autry, if you're an AFC contender, now is the time to make that move before you have to. Uh, again, we talk about, you know, especially as a Rams fan, so very biased here, but we talk all the time about how the day that Robert Woods tore his ACL when the Rams won the Super Bowl that year, that morning was the morning that they signed Odell Beckham Jr. So him and Robert Woods never even got in a full practice together, but they signed him anticipating that they might have a need at wide receiver. And that was a big part of the reason that they were able to do the things that they did. So it's, it's about basically bolstering positions of strength that you feel like might be tested in terms of depth. Yeah, I'm just looking at, the surefire contenders, right? I know that Jacksonville has you know a solid front seven, secondary. They're just a very solid team, top to bottom. But there's no reason why once you've once you've you look at the standings and you're like, okay, we're five and two. We're running away with this division. 
let's solidify our depth. Let's protect ourselves against injuries. If we can't afford it, if a guy's available and we're talking about a sixth round pick, those edge rushers that we talked about, that's the move. That's the move to make. If yeah. you if you are a Jack, pretty much it's every team, right? It's every team. But I think I think you're right. The AFC is teams, those AFC defenses are going to be more in the market for these aging edge rushers, where it's the NFC secondaries that are going to be more in the market for you know the Carolina defensive backs, those guys. So we talked about the Bears. The Bears have projected the first and third picks in the draft, right? So they are this year's, um, you know, uh, what was the last team that had that two picks in the, in the top five? Gosh, it's been a minute. Um, Houston traded for a second top five pick, but that they didn't go into it with two top five picks. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we've seen this this uh, occur. I think we know that the Carolina pick is going to be top five, and it's it's it, with, with Justin Fields out, it's looking more and more like that Chicago pick is going to be top five, and now there's the possibility. I mean, we, we dare to dream, Bears fans, dare to dream. Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., one two to Chicago. Who says no? The rest of the NFL. <laughs> That'd be really special. I mean, you get one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in a long time, and probably the best wide receiver among the top ten wide receiver prospects we've ever seen in the same draft. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll play. <laughs> we'll go do that. Uh, I could very much get behind that. And the problem for Arizona is they're too good, right? Their defense is better than expected. Their offensive lines coalescing better than expected. They're getting better than expected play from Josh Dobbs. Tyler's they've, coming. They've got a hit from the third round in Michael Wilson. Trey McBride is now picking up where Zach Ertz is leaving off. So poof, it, it's not going to be easy <laughs> For Arizona to secure the number one overall pick, I think I think it's I think it's I think it's gone. I think oh well, you know it's just it's just it's just one win, right? Yeah, but it's one win too many for Arizona, especially when you're comparing yourself to Carolina. And there's more wins coming for Arizona. Like I don't think they're going to win this week against Baltimore, but this is just another occasion where you have a home team getting nine points. And if you just based if you just do a system bet and just bet on that team to cover. Just like the Patriots last week, it's just week in, week out, these massive home dogs are covering. And I like the bet especially because the Cardinals are just underrated across the board. Anytime you have an underrated team across the board, you have a team that's coming off a blowout win, and you're at home, that's a great bet. Cardinals plus yeah. nine. It's just a great bet. It's just a great bet Just not, not to, like, you know, move your chips in uh, this isn't this isn't a, a weird line that we're taking advantage of this is just hey we have a system and this and it given how low these game totals have been it's that much harder for teams to cover nine points as well so there's a lot of things yeah. working in the cardinals favor and i'm not even sure they're going to have the third worst record I, I from what i've seen from the cardinals they might be drafting outside the top five they're significantly better than expected yeah and I think a big part of that is Dobbs playing well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting that he's lit the world on fire, but they were expected to get less than competent quarterback play, and they've gotten competent quarterback play. And the defense has been better than expected. There, there's a lot to. I mean, 
I'm not suggesting that that I love Jonathan Gannon as a press conference coach, but you got to be really impressed with what he's done in limited time here. Oh, and the way it happens is that Tennessee, Denver, and New York play the long game, right? Tennessee knows, hey, we're rebuilding and and we're gonna we're gonna shed assets. The Giants decide to shed assets. Denver sheds assets. Judy Sutton, right? That we, you you have a strong front office that's able to ignore the pleas of the coaches. Right, Mike Vrabel, shut up. Sean Payton, shut up. We're here to lose, baby. We're here to lose. So it, it, you could easily, in fact, I will say it. The Titans will have a higher draft pick than the Cardinals. Yep, yep. The Cardinals will officially, per my prediction, have a better record than the Titans this year. And there's no guarantees that Arizona has a top five pick. Uh, and because of that, it's a it's a far lower likelihood that Kyler Murray is traded. Okay, I think that what ends up happening is the Carolina Panthers show show the equity holders, they show management that this team is actually closer to competing than anyone expected. Kyler Murray comes back and has a fresh perspective and performs like we saw 2021 Kyler Murray. So he recaptures some of that 2021 magic, convinces the team to stay the course and to not draft a quarterback next year in the first round. And this team could be a playoff team as early as next year. That, that, that it happens quickly. It, it can happen very quickly, especially if they use their assets. Well, they draft. Well, remember they also have Houston's draft pick. So they're going to be drafting in the middle of the first round as well. So Arizona is teed up to massively improve their roster very quickly. It's exciting. Cause and, you know, they're also going to have a top 10 pick in the second round and so on. They, funny enough, they have the Titans draft pick in the third round. So they, they, could, they could have multiple very high third round picks, probably will. And so again, that's how you quickly rebuild on the fly. That's how you replenish a roster and, 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 and grab a wild card spot the very next year. You inject Murray back in it and then, because hitting the reset button, if you're already this far down the road with a rebuild and trying to bring in a brand new quarterback and trade your existing quarterback, if you're getting a, a godfather offer in return, sure, always take the godfather offer. I don't see other teams knowing that Kyler Murray has this reputation of being difficult to work with. I don't see other teams giving a godfather offer to Kyler Murray. Also, he's 5'11", right? And he just doesn't fit the mold that some you know, offensive coordinators are looking for particular types of quarterbacks, and he is not a common type. There's not reams and reams and reams and reams of plays for players like Kyler Murray. It requires creativity, right? And outside the box thinking from an offensive coordinator to optimize what Kyler Murray brings to the table. And what he brings to the table, I think, is, is game-winning, difference-making skills. But you can't have a predefined playbook that you're bringing under your arm to the team and say, okay, this is the this is the offense I want to install. Oh, whoops, we have Kyler Murray. He's not the, the type of quarterback that can run that offense. You need to actually diagnose all the talent we have on the roster, and then you need to craft from the ground up a scheme that maximizes the skills of our players. And for a lot of offensive coordinators, it's like, oh, well, I don't know. That's too much. But I have the playbook for my last team, and I was just going to copy and paste it onto this team, 
right? And so you you have so many teams that are afraid that they're they're going to be stuck with a square peg being fit in a round hole that they're not even going to be in the market for a Kyler Murray. So it's, it's narrowed down the market. So far fewer teams in play, lower likelihood that there's a godfather offer floating out there, higher likelihood that Kyler Murray stays in Arizona. Justin Fields is gone. I think we can agree. Gone. Yeah. Sad day in Chicago for the Justin Fields believers among us. Gone. But uh, yeah. If you if you have the one overall. And hand and wrist injuries have a way of lingering, of degrading efficiency for the rest of the season, and sometimes even lingering into the next season. So we have some serious concerns at Player Profiler. Our Dynasty team in particular has serious concerns, Evan, Dario, Theo, about how this injury will affect Justin Fields for the rest of the season because he he does need to put up numbers to prove that he should be ranked among the top 10 dynasty quarterbacks, right? He needs sure. to go show more than just a couple big games. He had a couple big games last year, a couple big games this year. He needs to have at least a month of consistent production where it's clear the team is willing to turn up the dials on the pass attempts and trust him with the offense. And the hand injury lowers the likelihood of that happening. So then we don't know what the the, the total commitment to him is going to be next year from whatever team he ends up landing on. And so there's a lot of unknowns with him, a lot more unknowns even than with Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson's also hurt. He's going to miss the whole year. But we know this team is committed to him for the next four to five years. And he could come back healthy and, and be injury-free the following year, right? Sometimes you got guys just... They, they're getting in a car accident on every play in the NFL, and, and, and then sometimes shards of glass are flying in at them, and then it's just bad luck that they end up in, on injured reserve. So I'm giving Anthony Richardson the benefit of the doubt at a level I, I can't do that with Justin Fields. Uh, but what would help him is if he landed in a place like Atlanta. Yeah, I think that's that's best-case scenario for Justin and, and kind of the skills that he has right now, because it's clear Ritter just doesn't have the upside that they're going to want at quarterback long term, even if there is a somewhat reliable, albeit low floor. Um, they're just trying to run people and mash people to death. And if that's what you're going to try and do, Justin can do that in a manner that other quarterbacks simply cannot. Yeah, it's fine. You only want your quarterback to throw the ball 20 to 25 times. May I give you Justin Fields? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, and that 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 that's why that you know it, it's it's always funny to me when you know people bring up early Lamar in those discussions. I'm like, it's not because he couldldn't throw the ball. It's because it's, 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 it's they ran a high school offense for. Him. Well, Justin Fields a better downfield thrower than Lamar Jackson ever was. Now, Bijan Robinson paired with Justin Fields is an interesting conundrum because he's going to catch fewer passes. There's going to be fewer pass attempts, fewer dropbacks. Fewer dump offs because a lot of those dropbacks will end up resulting in a quarterback run, quarterback scramble. So fewer catches for Bijan Robinson, but it's offset by the fact that he's going to be the most efficient runner in the league. I can guarantee you that it's going to be the Ravens, Derrick Henry versus the Falcons, Bijan Robinson, who's the best, most efficient running back in the league, only challenged by guess who? The Colts, Jonathan Taylor. We have not seen 
a full game of Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson together, taking advantage of the Alfred Morris corollary. So next year we could have some of the best versions of that corollary in the NFL with Henry on Baltimore, with Bijan, with Justin Fields, and Derrick Henry and Anthony Richardson. We have to wait another season for it, but it is going to be special. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I can't do Michael McDonald, not even close. Anyone in the chat that can do Michael McDonald, God bless you. You know, I'm not sitting here suggesting P.J. Walker is our Lord and Savior, but my God, P.J. Walker is our Lord and Savior. P.J. Walker is our Lord and Savior. Stay with Sean Clifford. Never say never, because I might next year. Jerry Judy's in the last deal of his he's in the last year of his deal. Right? So that's the this is an expiring contract. No one's picking up the fifth year option. Get out of here. Right? When when was the deadline to pick up the fifth year option? Yeah. That's that's come and gone. Right? So yeah, it's 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 the summer it's the summer prior to your fourth year that you have to decide whether you're gonna pick up the fifth year option so they so that the players know how they can sort of uh, plan for their future. Yeah, the, so the Jerry Judy has the expiring contract where you get to pay him a million dollars and then let him walk, which is just uh, you know uh, a beautiful thing. It's it's just such a beautiful it's such a beautiful NBA uh, type contract uh, situation. So I, I mean, no one's questioning the talent. Well, I am. You're not that good at football. PJ Walker is our Lord and Savior. We, we, will, we will find out. We've actually stumped Anand Nduri with a question. Hey, I did it. I did it. I asked good questions. Woo! I did it.